1: This week's rpgbot.news on the giant options unearthed arcana is brought to you by Describe. Describe your world. The Fire Giant. The ebony-skinned giant stands twice as tall as an ogre and looks to be thrice as strong. Plate armor seemingly crafted from cooled lava scrapes and clatters as the giant easily wields a greatsword wider than most shields. You'd fear for your life if that sword simply fell over. It boggles the mind to consider what would happen when it swung with violent intent. Please go to describe.com slash RPGbot and use code RPGbot at checkout for 10% off your first subscription payment. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And, and Ash Eli. Hey, guys. All right, Tyler, what is happening? Well, we've got something really big to talk about today. Is it the D&D movie?
0: No. <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> Can it be? No, I <laughs> yes. so we just got a new Unearthed Arcana document. This time it's giant options, and there's some really cool stuff in here. So we're gonna take a look at it and see what we like, what we don't, and uh, you know, try and make some conjecture about the future.
1: I just got it. Okay. No, that's fair. I like that. That was great. That was good. That <laughs> was, was a solid <laughs> intro. <laughs> oh oh man. man. All right, well, I'll open with I I think I really like the barbarian subclass path of the giant. And I'm looking forward to you destroying all of my hopes and dreams.
0: I like it a lot too. They did some really cool things in here for the first time. So we have a, a good option for throwing weapons for maybe the second time in all of fifth edition. The first time being the returning weapon. Um, infusion for the artificer so you you kind of get that thor fantasy of throwing your hammer and having it come back to your hand you also get to like yeet people 30 feet into the air yeah i was gonna say that's my favorite feature That's that's
2: great.
1: The part that I love about it in the game that I'm playing with Tyler right now, I've seen how amazing it can be to have a barbarian that grapples folks really well or can push people prone really well and then grapple them and then let us just pummel on them. So I'm a sorcerer. I'm not so good at the stabby things, but most of my stabbies come at the end of folks who Tyler's currently grappling. Having said that, the giant stature part of Giant's Havoc, uh, allowing you to become large if you are smaller than large and then later on allowing you to become huge feels really amazing because I feel like the biggest limitation we've had isn't what you've been able to roll as far as a strength check. It's been the rule that you can only grapple something one size larger than
0: yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely been a problem. Like We talked about it on the podcast previously, the time I tried to leap into the air and suplex a dragon. Turns out it was too big. Oh, man. So I, I got to real quick convince our DM to let me use the climbing a creature rules. Almost as fun.
1: No, not almost as fun. But this probably this would have been able to pull it together, right? Like yeah. if you can beca- if you can become large, and then I can twin spell, uh, enlarge and reduce to make them smaller or make you larger. At that point, we've got the grapple. We can do it. We can grapple anything. <laughs>
2: we can grapple the world. I love that. That's that's fantastic. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think it adds a lot of interesting. Um, a new interesting choice to barbarians, uh, as uh, it it feels like it fits really well with barbarian specifically. I think if they were to do it with fighter, which I guess they kind of did with like the rune warrior, but this just it feels more closely associated with giants, and I like that. So
0: yeah the the rune knight fighter definitely feels like we're gonna steal some giant culture here, and this feels like I'm gonna like chill with my my giant friends and get real mad which I guess isn't really chilling, but you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. And it's also kind of like, it, it, it's kind of implied that you're like, uh, you could be related to giants in some way. Maybe you have giant blood in you, or maybe you're half giant, which could be very cool. and a, An interesting character choice, I think.
1: Yeah, I really love the idea, though, of like not being like a Goliath, but instead being <laughs> a gnome and taking this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, and I love it. Yeah. right. Like the, the way that we're building characters, like your race isn't going to be as as penalizing as far as strength or anything else goes you're not going to take you know you can always take the plus two plus one option and you're ready to go so why not be a gnome barbarian who can turn huge on a moment's notice
0: yeah um one of the most annoying things about being small in five e is that you take disadvantage for using weapons with the heavy property if you're small if you rage and become large you're no longer small so that's no longer a problem for you carry around a great axe as a gnome it's great
2: i just realized that I just came to a realization, reading the verbiage on this, that if you're smaller than large, you become large. So conceivably, you could make some really interesting builds if you were like a pixie, let's say. <laughs> you're a size tiny, and you just sneak
0: into a place, and then boom, big! <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards have started doing interviews with Jeremy Crawford every time they publish one of these articles, so they can talk about the thoughts behind the design. And they talk specifically about the mighty impel feature, which is the thing that lets you throw people 30 feet. And Crawford was very clear, like, yes, we meant for you to be able to throw enemies straight into the air to cause falling damage. So, like, I saw that feature and I thought, I don't know if they thought that through. Apparently they did. And I'm very excited about that, but I don't know if they thought through you can leap into the air And then throw things while you're in the air. So you could jump off the ground, throw things a few more feet, jump into the air, grab something out of the air, throw it at the ground. So
2: You can spike a person.
0: You sure can. Uh, (laughs) Grab a ring of jumping, folks. It's going to be great. Okay, but
1: can you actually deal any additional damage than you could if you just threw them in the air 30 feet and let them
0: fall? So if you jump high enough in the air and are still able to reach them, which... As your size increases, you get reach as part of these features as well. Absolutely, yeah. So that lets you reach further down to grab people further below you, and you throw them to a space within 30 feet of you. So if you're higher up, you can throw them higher into the air.
1: Perfect, So if you jump
0: 10 feet, you can now throw them Forty feet. I love.
1: it. Good. No, I love this. This is this is what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. This is good. That's just the entire character build. Your entire <laughs> character build. You don't use weapons. You just spike people. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's, it's fantastic.
0: You're yeah. you're the Incredible Hulk from the Avengers. <laughs> hey, Thirty feet of fall damage is is more damage than a great axe, and it knocks people prone.
1: Good. All right. <laughs> I love okay. It so so much. we we hinted at it. We have the ability now. We have a thrown weapon which. Rules is written, you know, as soon as it makes its contact, it just immediately appears back in your hand. Of course, you could flavor that, that it's like a Thor's hammer, it's a boomerang. You know, the, that flavor wouldn't matter as long as you kind of maintained the, the benefit. Nobody can capture your weapon. Nobody can keep your weapon from you. It appears back in your hand. Um, you get to add elemental damage type of your choice when you rage. And so, to, you know, you can have... You know, finding these creatures, I think it might be weak to fire. Um, if you're playing uh, Rhyme of the Frostmane like us, it's always fire. Just choose fire. That's the <laughs> right choice. All of this is pretty awesome. I want to put you on the spot. Would you change from Path of the Beast, which is your current character subclass, to Path of the Giant?
0: Ah, oh, um, if I wasn't so emotionally attached to my current character, like I would look at this as like a an equivalent level of fun. But I'm just having so much fun, like with my character as a concept, that I I, I wouldn't yeah, I change it for the world.
1: Bear Bear Grills probably needs to stay as uh, Path of the Giant, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Or you mean bug, Path the Beast? Bear
1: yeah. yeah, Path of the Beast. Yeah. Bugbear yeah.
0: Grills, the Bugbear Grilling Survivalist. Oh my god, I
1: love him already. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's pretty
2: awesome. Um,
0: every week, everywhere he
1: goes, it's uh, carnage and smoked sausage.
0: Sure is. <laughs> have you ever sat down that you got so angry and have you ever gotten so angry that you sat down and grew gills i have oh oh my (laughs) god oh my god (laughs) He, he really binds us together (laughs)
2: Easy Roller Dice is a company that believes that every single tabletop game is unique based on your story you play your story and they make cool gear to help you bring your story to life they have amazing products like their adventure boxes which work as a dice tray dice display cases and miniature holders they have fan favorites like their hollow dice of divine retribution a hollow metal dice series with beautiful unique artwork that creates an amazing jingle when you roll them together they have all of your tabletop needs so go to rpgbot.net slash easyroller and use the code RPGBOT at checkout to get 15% off your order. So uh, next on the list is the uh, Circle of the Prime Evil, which is a druid that has an animal companion, which is uh, something that was pretty common uh, thing to do in Pathfinder, but you don't see it in 5e. So this is I mean, you do see it with like Circle of the Wildfire a little bit, but it's not as explicit as it is here. It is an interesting class. Uh, your companion seems pretty good. My biggest complaint about it is just let us have a large creature from the beginning. <laughs> just, just, just let us have a large creature. I don't think it breaks a lot, um, but that's 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 just the little kid in me. I want to have a big dinosaur. It, I think conceptually it is uh it is fun you know the, you're connecting to the world before sort of humanity and mortals existed which makes a lot of sense and it's a niche that hasn't been really filled by druids that being said i do find the class a little bit underwhelming it doesn't seem to have as much interesting things going on for it as some of the other it's kind of essentially like a better beast master ranger i would say but that's just my opinion
0: Yeah, it's using a lot of the same mechanics as the updated version of the Beastmaster. So rather than having like, this is my animal companion, Phil, you have a primeval companion that if it dies, you just spend a spell slot or uh, does he use wild shape? He uses wild shape.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you spend wild
0: shape and you get another one. They're expendable, disposable pets. It uses wild shape to
2: summon a companion, but you can use a spell slot to, at fourteenth level, to like give it some
0: extra stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. The the let me spend an eighth level spell slot, give this thing plus forty feet of move speed, and just race across the country. Uh, or uh, spend a really high level spell slot. What if this thing's attacks did ninety eight damage?
2: Yeah, I would say the fourteenth level one is the most exciting for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's probably some room for improvement here there's a couple of rough edges that could be rounded off to make this like not have huge power spikes i think the mechanics are solid and i like that they're using wild shape as the expendable resource again uh, they started doing that in tasha's they added an optional class feature where you could use wild shape to cast find familiar and like yeah it's a good resource so i have a mechanics question for you you have to use bonus
1: your bonus action to control your uh, primeval companion. What is the bonus action economy like for a typical druid?
0: It's generally pretty underused. Not a lot of druid spells are cast as a bonus action. The only one that comes to mind, I'm sure there are more, but the only one that comes to mind immediately is Healing Word. There are a couple subclasses that use their bonus action, but it's like Circle of Spores, maybe... Um, Circle of Wildfire, and then um, Circle of the Primeval here has the option to command your companion with the bonus action. But there's no core feature built into the druid that uses your bonus action, so you could go your entire career as like a land druid or whatever without using your bonus action once.
2: I think the other thing um, about this that is a little bit worrying is it has the same issue... That uh, Beastmaster Ranger has, which is, it kind of precludes you from doing multi-classing because you really gimp yourself if you do that because your companions, yeah, your companions' health and stuff is based off of five times your druid level, not your level, your druid level, and that um, that is something that I wish they would go away from, like move away from, so that we could do multi-classing because whenever there's a companion in a subclass, it's always really tied to your, your specific Druid level, which I get why they're doing it. I just, it, it really limits your options. I feel. Yeah, I mean, there's the
1: extreme version of that where you're a level 18 fighter and you take two levels of druid just to get this.
2: Yeah, (laughs) so I I realize it's not a it's not a perfect. I follow. There's no perfect
0: solution. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, and and even there's a bunch of subclasses that are super powerful to dip into for one or two levels because their features are based on your proficiency bonus. So, like like a lot of the subclasses in Tasha's get really good based off of just your proficiency bonus so like yeah one or two levels in the class to get the basic features and then like way up at level 20 you've still got something just as amazing as if you had single classed and whatever it was
1: cool and and so the answer to my question is that as a druid if you're taking this subclass that is what your bonus action is for now this is what you're going to use it for occasionally you might choose to cast one of these rare spells that uses your bonus action most of the time you're using it to control your primeval companion
0: Definitely. So the last one, we got another wizard. And uh, me, as a a big wizard enthusiast, I'm very excited about this the Runecrafter Wizard. So, what if instead of a wizard that wrote words, you wrote single letters? Okay, I can see, I don't get it but I can see I haven't sold uh, you. The the runes are no. generally like a single letter for a like that. Means <laughs> oh no, no, I'm familiar with the rune. I'm just not excited yet. Okay, so that's oh, fine. See, I I am.
2: I'm I'm with I'm with Tyler. I
0: love runes.
2: <laughs> the aesthetic of runes is just super cool to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the mechanics here look a lot like the Sorcerer's Metamagic feature. Like you get a collection of runes and you can spend like you have a pool of uses of these equal to your proficiency bonus per day, and you can spend that to essentially do meta magic. And like the the effects don't line up perfectly with the existing meta magic options, which is probably a good thing, honestly. Uh but the fact that we've got kind of a similar mechanic, but this time for wizards, it's pretty cool. And I like the way they did the theme.
2: Yeah, I think uh Runecrafter Uh, in my opinion, is the big winner of this uh, unearthed Arcana. They got a lot of really cool features. Um, The fact that you can just give people temporary hit points whenever you cast a spell is is very good. I know that temporary hit points don't stack, but it's still, it's just, it's fun. And then, can we talk about the 10th level feature, I believe it is? or no, the 6th level, excuse me, 6th level feature, which is like downgraded legendary resistance. (laughs)
0: yeah come on yeah that one might be a little too strong um yeah so it uses one use of your runic empowerment which you only get like proficiency bonus uses per day so there's a cost there you're not going to spam this constantly Mm -hmm. but even so to just outright succeed on a saving throw for strength dex con like those are generally the wizard's biggest vulnerabilities so that's really really good yeah like i'd be happy with that if it was just a reroll like if you looked at it and said i'm gonna spend one use of my runic empowerment to reroll this save that i failed i'd be super happy with that
2: yeah i think that's what they'll eventually move to is like either advantage or reroll because even just that is super strong but the fact that is essentially a le- like legendary resistance for your physical traits is very good and it's limited, yes, but it's still, uh, so are legendary resistances. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really powerful ability. I would be surprised if they don't change it.
0: As we all know, wizards are famously very physically resistant. <laughs> so true.
1: And, and for the wizards of the coast, uh, I, I, I know what you think you heard Ash say just now. <laughs> what we're actually saying is, like, this is fine. We're probably <laughs> not going to take, take this subclass just for this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, like it's a it's it's a good write up. I think you did a good job here.
2: Definitely. Not too heavy, not too weak. Yeah, it's perfect. Keep it like this. No complaints. <laughs> okay, and then
1: so we talked about right. We have uh, early on you get the life rune, the war rune, the wind rune. Um, life, you get to give temporary hit points. The war rune, um, you get to add a bonus uh, to the next attack roll for the target creature. Um, So what is it? It's, I'm going to read it aloud as opposed to stumbling through. War Rune. When you invoke this rune, choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. Until the end of your next turn, attack rolls that target the chosen creature gain a bonus equal to half the level of the spell slot expended. Round it up, minimum of plus one. I misread that when I first (laughs) read that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so choose one bad guy, Mm -hmm. and then everybody gets to beat on that, and attack rolls that target that creature get a bonus equal to half the level of spell Plus
0: one yeah yeah yeah, that's real good
1: that's re- that's real good, well, especially <laughs> like when we like combine that you know combine that with a monk, combine that with like any creature that's going to make repeated attacks. Where what balances their class is that they don't actually hit that often. So that, you know, sure, you get six opportunities, to deal eight damage, except for now you're hitting every single time.
0: Yeah, so if you have people in your party with great weapon master and sharpshooter, like they're, yeah, they're going to really, really enjoy that. It's a great way to focus something down. Yeah, the, like the effects of these runes are really, really good good and like i said it's limited to your proficiency bonus for long rest but hey look at that it's a, a second level feature yeah. so you can dip into Rune Crafter wizard from another class and use this on whatever you want mm-hmm. yeah and then the 14th
2: level ability just just throws out all caution to the wind (laughs) it's like yeah just an enmity ruin it's a save is if there was a definition of a saber sock spell it's this one which is like they have disadvantage on saving throws against your spells they can't go invisible um and uh basically uh, the next time someone attacks them they you also do 1d8
0: force damage And it Uh, uh, ends the effect immediately. So the first one is disadvantage on saves against your spells. The second one is they can't be invisible. And the third one is they take 1d8 damage at some point in the next turn or in the next minute. And you have to spend a bonus action every round to keep it up. It's like, why is that there? Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, that one's not. That one's kind of
2: underwhelming. But the disadvantage against saving throws and enforced invisibility, uh, not can't go invisible, is very good. Yeah, for a wizard especially. That's why they called it a woeful curse. It's very terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I want to ask the same question: opportunity cost of becoming a rune crafter versus any other wizard subclass? Are you looking at this saying this is a standout? This is something that you think, as written is
0: going to be four star. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to give that one some more thought. Hmm. Definitely, definitely three or four stars. Um, the gosh, the two level dip into this thing is going to be awesome for a lot of spell casters. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to give it some more thought and see how the final version comes out though.
1: Okay, cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. And then we had a giant box of feats. Uh, so there are 10 of them in all. Um, they're all slightly giant themes, slightly primeval, elemental themed. Um, also, runes, I guess. Yeah, take your pick. Yeah, I guess generally, let's talk about the shape of this, right? So, there are prerequisites. Most of them have a level prerequisite. Uh, the rune carver adept counts on you taking the rune carver apprentice ahead of it. Yeah, I guess, were there any standouts? Anything that was exciting to you?
0: The rune carver feats, like the. Two feet feet chain. We can't quite call it a tree yet. I I think it's a really really cool concept, but it's trees have branches. Generally, yes.
2: <laughs> it's a very straight
0: tree, like a birch or something. <laughs> feet, feet tower. Feet tower. Feet tower. Go. That's so much better. I love that. Okay, we've got a, a two feet feet tower. Uh, yeah, I think you could roll these into one feet, and it would still just be okay like yeah uh yeah (laughs) magic initiate this is not uh no but like i love the theme i love the idea here this would be a really cool way for uh classes to get access to spells from outside their spell list some of the spells on here are actually pretty good choices like you've got uh shield and armor of agathis and goodberry like there's some good stuff on here uh i just wish the feats did slightly more. No, that's fair. That's mm-hmm.
1: fair. So I really liked Ember of the Fire Giant for no particular reason, but I'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> no, I. You know, for for all the things that jumped out of me, I don't know why this is something that did jump out to me. So one, um, you have resistance to fire damage, which is good. Um, actually, I should pa- I should pause for a second. Uh, this was one of the two feats, one of the three feats that required you to be eighth level before you took it so as you're thinking about this also think about okay i'm i'm at eighth level this is a feat that i'm taking versus a lot of everything else that we would talk about would be fourth level You know, so don't be overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I don't know which direction that goes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, When you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace one of your attacks with a magical burst of flame. Each creature of your choice within 15 feet of you that can see you must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes fire damage equal to 2d6 plus your proficiency bonus and is blinded until the start of your next turn.
0: That's awesome. It really is. It's kind of surprising Mm -hmm. that they have to be able to see you to take the fire damage. I think what they're trying to do is that
2: it's not necessarily like you're throwing out flame. It's mm-hmm. more like you're causing flame to come out of their eyes, I guess. It's, uh, and so it requires sight. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to defend Wizards of the coast here, but I, I don't know. It, it made more yeah. sense in my head. I feel like we've had some fun conversations about line of sight
1: versus line of effect. And I guess this is like reverse line of sight that you got to be able to see me to feel the effect of the thing that I'm doing to you. Um, I like what you said, though. Yeah, <laughs> like fire from their eyes. It's going to be great.
2: Or maybe it's like a stare sort of effect where them seeing you, mm. like your eyes light up and that causes their eyes. We're we're an Elden Ring now and, you know, the Flame of Frenzy is a thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as flavor
1: goes, the fact that it does blind them until the start of your next turn, Yeah. at that point, it makes perfect sense. So for a lot of like mundane enemies, this is going to be fantastic because... Like what what happens when an enemy is blinded? Uh they effectively have disadvantage on all ranged or melee attacks if they can even guess what cell you're sitting in.
0: Yeah. And then So
1: DMs at home, you gotta be honest with your folks. I feel like we just had a good episode <laughs> talking about how to do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the one that kind of stole, stood out for me is uh Guile of the Cloud Giant. Uh, so for those who haven't read it, it's, you can cast blur once a day without using a spell slot or components. And when you cast the spell in this way, it doesn't require you to maintain concentration on it, which is, um, in my opinion, very, very good. Because Blur is uh, one of those spells that is very useful, but no one ever uses because it requires concentration. (laughs) And there are way cooler spells for you to use. But for Wizards and stuff especially, like Blur plus Shield is really good. Um, and then not even mentioning mage armor, you basically be unhittable. And if you were like, let's say you were to grab this as, um, a a sword, is it sword singer, sword, blade uh, singer, blade singer. That's what it is. Thank you. Uh, like you can basically be untouchable as a, (laughs) as a wizard, like it, it, it would be, um, yeah, there's a lot of really fun builds that you could do with this. Plus the fact that you get proficiency in, uh well, you get expertise in either deception or persuasion. is just icing on the cake for me. Um, so that was a really exciting feat when I saw that one.
0: Yeah, I really like the that they split it between both a combat spell and a skill that you're going to use outside of combat. Mm-hmm. Like it fits the theme of cloud giants really, really well. And it, yeah, that's just a good feat. Yeah. Definitely, I noticed some things are continuing, some trends that we've seen in previous Unearthed Arcana documents, uh, especially the two dragonlance UAs that we've seen recently. Feats with level prerequisites and feat chains are still a thing in this, so it seems like the feedback on both feat chains and having like level locked feats must have been good otherwise wizards would have stopped doing it so it seems like they are moving more in that direction and based on both what we're seeing here and what they said in the the interviews when they released the the ua they're making the feats that are locked behind a specific level more powerful than the ones that aren't so if you look at like ember of the fire giant and guile of the cloud giant those are both Eighth level. And then if you compare that to like outsized might, which doesn't have a level prerequisite, it's like you get a skill proficiency, you get powerful build, and it's hard to move you or knock you down. Great. Maybe like I think they are leaning more into the idea that people really, really like feats and don't consider them an optional rule. And they want people to have access to feats at first level without having to be a variant human again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um I like that they're leaning more into feats cuz it started out as really sort of an optional feature and now it feels like it's becoming more a part of the game which I like. I always like systems that allow people to customize their characters more. Um yeah. No, I'm I'm happy with this. Like there are some feats that are very good. There are some feats that could maybe use another pass.
1: And then I feel like, like the last interesting part of that is just the opportunity cost of taking these feats versus whatever was regularly scheduled for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's, I feel like that's a really high bar to clear.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Ash? Yes. Tyler? What are they writing?
0: <laughs>
1: so if we, if we look at, like, the, like what, are, what are the most recent unearthed arcana that we've had? All right, we had the travelers of the multiverse mm-hmm. and we looked at it and we said, What are we gonna get? We're gonna get Spelljammer,
0: we're gonna get
1: uh, um, maybe Dark
0: Sun, and then I was wrong. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> yeah, no, Dark I Sun would have been Walt, cool, yeah. Well, um, w- we had um, the Dragon Lance material, and lo and behold, there was Dragon Lance, although I feel like I mean, come on, that was kind of a gimme.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we had the Dragons UA, we got Fizz Bands. What's happening? What are they doing?
0: Tyler? Okay, so I've got two theories. There was an old, like, first or second edition campaign called Against the Giants. And like you might guess from the name, the enemies were giants. So, option one, they're bringing that campaign into fifth edition. I don't think anyone has sold on yeah. that idea. That idea, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, nobody at wants is actually aware that campaign existed <laughs> so, <laughs> if i remember right there were there were some problematic issues with colonialism in the in the campaign as well so it's probably best to leave that one where it was probably yeah so uh option two is they might be updating storm king's thunder so we we saw this with wrath of the dragon queen like they It was originally published as two or three books. They republished it as an enhanced edition, one book. It got the special edition cover with the cool Tiamat art on the front. Like, very cool. They updated it. They did kind of the same thing with Curse of Strahd. So we got Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and then like the updated version of Curse of Strahd at the same time. You can buy it with a toy coffin. It's neat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So they might be doing the same thing with Storm King's Thunder. Bring back giants. We might get a a like kind of tie-in supplement. That's all giant and related options. Uh, And then maybe other plot hooks to explore other things with giants, or it's entirely possible that we're just getting something new and giant themed.
1: Mm Mm-hmm it would be excited to get something like Fizzbands, but for giants
0: yeah yeah absolutely something going more into like giant personality and stuff would be kind of neat we did get a little bit of that information in volo's guide to monsters which uh, they've since like kind of walked back it was like hey all red giants take slaves and then watsy has since moved away from that to uh not all x or y um which we discussed on the errata 3.0 episode so uh, yeah it would be nice to see some more nuanced exploration of these uh, intelligent and interesting creatures from all over the multiverse
2: i i think that is possible but I, for my money i'm betting on storm king thunder uh, uh revamp because uh like curse of strad storm king thunder was a really popular uh, adventure that a lot of that had a lot of really good feedback and it's considered like a classic of fifth edition. So I think that uh, that's probably the most likely is that they are probably trying to rework or update Storm King's Thunder because again, like I think that's a really great, great uh supplement, like a really great adventure, a lot of fun, and you could add some stuff there, like you were saying, that would flesh out the giants uh, to give them a bit more depth. Um, So Kill Two Birds was one stone with that one.
1: What's been the typical delay I'm trying to think through? Is it typically three to six months from the time that we get the UA to the time we actually get the published material or at least an announcement of the material?
0: Oh, that's a good question. When did we get... Dragonlance. I feel like it was February the Dragonlance UA. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was certainly this calendar year. Yeah, and we're not getting the book until like August, but it was
1: announced at least.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. And so
1: that's that's six seven months. So the reason I'm asking that question very specifically is, we know we have you know whether it's going to be five point five, whether it's going to be six, whatever it's going to be, we know we have that coming in what like fifteen months now, something like this.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, mid. I, I think they said mid-2024, but I I would probably expect it for the holiday season 2024.
1: Uh, okay, that's too far away. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm going <laughs> to no. retract the thing I was about to say, which is maybe maybe it's Storm King's Thunder, but maybe it's Storm King's Thunder with lots of new material. And by the way, this is, you know, this is 5.5 or this is 6, mm-hmm. but that, that sounds silly. Um, I'm really hoping it is something like this, man. I'm hoping that we get a new playable race option uh, with what is either like uh, a large... Humanoid or a small giant? They might be giants.
2: <laughs> yeah, for my money, I would love to see like a half giant or something like that, uh, or like maybe a playable ogre. That would be fun. I think uh, I think large humanoid creatures, uh, large hum- playable large humanoids, uh, is something that you don't see
0: a lot of and could be very fun. Hey, Watsy, give us large humanoids, you cowards. Yes, please. I'm kidding. I know what it would do to the game. I understand. I've
2: had large humanoids. It doesn't break it that much. (laughs) Okay. Go go visit a halfling
0: village and then see what you break.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) I didn't say it was
1: perfect. Well, if the halflings all follow the path of the giant, they'll just get huge themselves. They'll take care of business on their own. There you go. Uh, That's the war that I want to see. (laughs) If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You can find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbob.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. Ash, I feel like you really whiffed on my They Might Be Giants joke. I,
2: I caught it. It was good. You, you gave me a hearty chuckle. <laughs> Sorry, I missed
1: it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind.